Welcome to the Jongets Games Podcast, where in today's episode, you'll be hearing the game's radar vlog for January 2021. In that episode, I discussed 21 new games that I've learned about recently of note, and I go through them in alphabetical order. At this point, I do want to mention that the only reason this podcast is being made is because of the direct support that comes in through the Patreon campaign for the channel. Now, you can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash Games. and if you do enjoy listening to my vlogs in podcast form like this, then I do hope you would consider directly supporting that campaign. The final thing I'd like to ask is that if you have any questions or comments about anything I say today, that you leave those as a comment on the YouTube page for the vlog, and you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. All right, let's now start talking about games, and today I will be going through the Board Game Geek page for each of these. In fact, this is how I learn about the games. Uh, I subscribe to a feed that tells me all of the new games that show up on Board Game Geek, and I just kind of go through that feed and pick and choose the ones that I think are particularly interesting. Uh, so, starting things off at the beginning, we have Aqua Garden. Now, technically, I learned about this game about two months ago, but for some reason, I deleted it from my spreadsheet so it didn't get covered in the last one of these vlogs. But either way, uh, many people actually mentioned to me over the last month um, hey, have you heard about Aqua Garden? Uh, so that's kind of surprising. It seems like there's definitely some uh, buzz for this. And this is a aquarium building style game that has a time track. So right away, I am interested. I love games that have time tracks. And um, in this game, you are actually um, moving a pawn around a central board that has a whole bunch of different spots uh, with different vibrantly colored fish and um, like turtles and sharks and that kind of thing. And then you place them into your aquarium based off of where your little worker is in the aquarium. And it seems like there are a variety of ways to score points based off of the different types of fish that you have in each aquarium. And you have six different aquariums that you are filling throughout the game. So I love the idea of time tracks where you just go as far forward as you want to take the things that you want. But then, of course, it might be a while until it's your next turn. I'm not sure if it's it works that way or if uh, turn order goes clockwise, but either way, I still like um, tracks where you can go as far ahead as you want, and the components in this game look great, so uh, I'm certainly interested in learning more about this. There's a couple videos on Board Game Geek already, uh, so I'm intrigued enough to want to try it um, if I have an opportunity to at some point. Uh, now, that one is technically a 2021 release. I'm not sure how soon it will be actually releasing, but um, either way, it should be coming out this year. Uh, moving on, we have Block Ness. <laughs> now, uh, this is a great little pun. Uh, this is a game about essentially building your own Loch Ness monster, and uh, the main reason that this one is on the list is because the component quality for this just grabbed my attention. Uh, you have a uh, box in the middle of the table with a bunch of holes, and then you have these plastic little U-shaped Loch Ness monster tokens, and you and your opponents are all essentially guiding your Loch Ness monster around the lake, jumping uh, potentially over each other, and I think you just keep going until no players actually have any legal moves. Now, this is not generally the kind of game that I super gravitate towards, but I am a sucker for creative use of components, and so this one definitely grabbed my attention um, for that. Uh, it's a 15 to 20 minute game being published by Blue Orange Games. So again, not necessarily my wheelhouse, but certainly the kind of thing that I would love to try if I was given an opportunity, uh, like if I was at a board game convention or something like that, specifically trying it in real life. I think playing this online would uh, lose a lot of the allure of actually, you know, placing these Loch Ness pieces down onto the board. Uh, all right, next up we have Codex Naturalis. Uh, this one is being published by Bombix, and this one uh, really got my attention because it's a 
kind of layout tableau building card stacking style game. Uh, there's a pretty sizable description on BoardGameGeek, uh, but from essentially what I can glean is uh, at the start of the game, you have a card in the middle of the table, like a standard poker um, size card. And in each one of the four corners is kind of a cutout uh, artistically. It's a standard uh, shaped card. And as you play the game, you're going to overlap these cards on top of each other, just covering the corners. And there's different icons in the different corners. So I think in order to place a card down to overlap certain spots. You have to meet certain restrictions and you can also place the card face up or face down in order to get points or not get points. I love tableau building style games and I, I like a game that kind of jumps off of the table. And I think the aesthetic of this game, just from the images that I've seen online is enough to, to grab my attention. Um, the idea of just kind of building this thing out. It's kind of like, there's a lot of uh, card stacking games where you kind of overlap cards on top of each other, trying to cover up certain parts of the card to um, you know gain various benefits. And this one just has you covering up the corners in a very pleasing way. I also love the artistic style of the game. So uh, this is one that I would love to learn more about and and potentially try in the future. Uh, next up, we have Dice Matrix. Uh, now, this is probably the first time I've uh, had a Nestor Games game on one of my games right off logs. Uh, Nestor Games is a publisher that makes, I believe, just two-player only games, maybe solo games as well. And they've been around for a very long time. I remember when I first got uh, started paying attention to the board game industry well over 10 years ago, I remember seeing Nestor Games games, and it seems like they are still going on. Uh, now, they oftentimes like look kind of interesting, but don't really grab me. And this one, it really did grab me. There's not much detail on Board Game Geek right now. It says it's uh, you're going to gather your dice from the dice matrix according to a simple rule and build the most valuable structure in your area. It doesn't actually tell you what that simple rule is. Uh, but the thing that grabbed me was the image that they have online. It's you just got a mat in the middle. And I think that's a standard thing for Nestor games as well. I think they oftentimes have a roll out play mat. So they they oftentimes, I think, store in like a Ziploc bag. Um, so you roll out this big mat and there's dice all over the place in a matrix. And somehow you and your opponent are using this simple rule to gather these dice from the matrix and put it down into your own area to score points. And um, specifically, it says um, that dice matrix feels like a puzzle each turn. Tricky tactics await you as you play more and more. Um, so yeah, that, that just caught me. It says it's a 15 to 30 minute game for two players only. Um, again, I've heard about a lot of Nestor games. A lot of them are very abstract, and this one certainly looks quite abstract as well, but a puzzly dice matrix style game is definitely uh, grabbing my attention more than they usually do, and this is one that I would love to try. All right, next up we have Hippocrates. Uh, now this one uh, is from, oh, that's right, Game Brewer, and the designer is uh, Elaine Orban, who has some design credits for Twa and many other games. Uh, now this game seems to be all about traveling back to ancient Greece in the time of Hippocrates. And essentially, I guess Hippocrates started um, the first hospital, supposedly, <laughs> and you are now following in their footsteps, trying to essentially bring people into your ancient Greek uh, hospital, trying to um, cure them and uh, try to like allocate your doctors and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've definitely played hospital-themed games before, but certainly not one that is set... 2,000 years ago. <laughs> so that one uh, it has some bonus points for uh, theme for sure. And the uh, the pedigree of the designer is definitely high. So um, I'm quite interested in trying this one out. Also, the, the publisher, Game Brewer, they make very good looking games. Currently, there's no images of what the game looks like. Um, they do have an image of the box cover, which I think looks great overall. I really like the aesthetic of the box cover. So uh, this is one I'd like to learn more about. There's a decent size description, but without some images of what the game looks like to play, it's not really 
locking in just yet. Apparently there's auctions and bidding, uh, uh, end game bonuses, and there's a solitaire game and tile placement, whole bunch of stuff that I do uh, like in general. So that is Hippocrates. Moving on, we now have It's a Wonderful Kingdom. Now this says that it re-implements It's a Wonderful World, which is a excellent uh, hand drafting style game uh, that I own and I, I really enjoy that one. Now this is a one to two player only game and I think it's a little bit of a, not quite accurate statement to say it's a re-implementation because it seems like it's kind of a, a branch off of It's a Wonderful World because this is, again, a one to two player only game. And instead of being a hand drafting game where you have a hand of cards and you choose one and you pass some to the left and you get some from the right, this game uses I Split You Choose. It seems like you get cards randomly and then you place them out into a, I believe, a two by two grid in the table. And then based off of the player order, one person splits those four cards into two sets of two and then the other player chooses a set and then the person who split takes one. And I think you do that multiple times and then you end up playing these cards out in front of you. And I think a relatively similar way to It's a Wonderful World, where each card can be discarded to gain resources that you can use to pay for other cards, or you can play that card down if, as long as you have the associated resources. So it seems like it's got a lot of the It's a Wonderful World stuff in there with a um, new mechanic, essentially. Instead of hand drafting, you have I Split You Choose, and that is um, definitely enough to have me uh, intrigued. There's a possibility I might be doing a sponsored tutorial for this one. Um, I've been uh, sending emails back and forth and it's, it's a strong maybe at the moment. So we'll have to see. Uh, for the moment, this is all I know about the game though. All right, next up we have Kunst Knicken, uh, which apparently uh, translates to can bend in German. Um, now, the reason this game jumped out to me is because it's a folding roll and write. <laughs> I like roll and write games in general. Um, not my favorite type of game, but um, I find myself... Um, always interested in seeing what the new styles of roll and write games are for some reason. And this one has you actually uh, bending the corners of your pages over as you are playing the game. Uh, right now, the only rules that are published are German, so I've seen some people kind of succinctly describe how the game plays after they read the German rules. But from what I can tell, in this game, you are drawing lines of X's on your sheet. And then as soon as you cover up a certain number of these little faces in the corners, you can then bend the corner over. And then there is an objective on the backside that you, of the flipped corner that you then have to fully mark up in order to win. I'm not sure if you are actually crossing over from the main sheet onto the folded up piece or if the folded up piece is a discrete area. But from a component use uh, perspective, that's enough for me to be intrigued, <laughs> to definitely want to learn more about this one. Um, roll and write oftentimes play rather quickly, which I like, and this one is apparently a simultaneous action roll and write where everybody takes their turns at the same time. So um, that usually makes things quicker. It says it's a 20 minute game, so not very long. Uh, so it's possible this one wouldn't actually grab me at the end of the day, might not have much uh, enough going on there, but um, I'm intrigued to learn more and see how this uh, folding thing works. You know, I've heard about uh, games where you like, like clip and write, where you like cut the pieces of paper up, um, there's lots of games you actually write down, but this is the first one I've seen where you fold the paper. Moving on, we have Lost Cities Roll and Write. So <laughs> here's another roll and write game. Uh, now, Lost Cities is a two-player only card game that came out, I believe, well over 10 years ago. And I have played it. It's been a, a long time. Um, and I thought it was a fine game. And uh, that's enough for me to be interested to see what the roll and write version of this is. Um, in Lost Cities, the card game, it was all about 
playing out numbered cards in front of you. And when you play these cards, you can only put a higher number on a previously played number. Um, I can't remember if you could put equal cards there, but either way, you are ascending with these stacks. And that means you want to start with the lowest number possible, but you don't always have access to that. So maybe you start with a four instead of a one, and you hope you can piece together enough cards to get points from that expedition, which is a stack. And it seems like the roll and write version of this game works very similarly. You are rolling uh, six uh, well, you're rolling dice, and there are six colored paths on your board, and um, based off of the die rolls, those are the numbers that you are starting off your expeditions with and trying to move up. Now, Lost Cities, the card game, obviously was balanced with a deck of cards to have a certain number of uh, ones and twos and threes and fours, but in a dice game, you don't know. <laughs> There's probability, but uh, you can always have strange streaks of uh, numbers that you wouldn't have expected. Uh, so, Maybe this one doesn't actually play well. Maybe this one uh, works better with cards determining the uh, the odds for you. But either way, it's one I'd like to try. It says two to five players in 30 minutes. And obviously the designer is Reiner Knizia, just like the original game. So I'm not like crazy excited about this one, but I'm uh, intrigued. I'd like to see uh, what the images look like and who knows, maybe give this one a shot at some point. So let's move on to the next game, which is Mission ISS. It says you have to work together to construct the International Space Station. Now this is being published by Schmidt Spiel, which is a very large and well-established board game publisher. And this is a game about literally building the International Space Station. It's a cooperative game, um, and it's, it's set in 1998 when the first module was actually assembled onto the space station. And it seems like as you are playing throughout the game, you are going to be um, adding more astronauts to the station, adding more modules, controlling them in some way. It doesn't really say what the specific mechanics are. And right now there's just an image of the uh, the box front, but there's no images of what the game looks like. But I think this is a wonderful theme. Uh, the International Space Station is super cool, as far as I'm concerned, uh, what they do up there and how they actually were able to put that thing together. So playing a cooperative game about trying to put it together sounds great. I have no idea what the loss condition is. I don't know if it's like, if it blows up or something like that, or if you just have to hit specific thresholds in a certain amount of time. But I am certainly intrigued enough to want to learn more about this one. All right, next up we have My Farm Shop. Uh, now, I actually just learned about this one uh, not based off of the subscription feed, but uh, based off of Twitter. Uh, one of my Twitter friends uh, got this one recently and played it and said it was more interesting than they expected. And um, so after reading all about it on Twitter and learning about it more on BGG, I decided to pre-order a copy of this game. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, now, this is designed by Rudiger Dorn, and the publisher is Pegasus Spiel. And the reason this game really caught my attention is because it uses the Machikoro Settlers of Catan space base type of mechanic in a somewhat lighter setting with Rudiger Dorn um, designing it. <laughs> I'm a pretty big fan of Rudiger Dorn. I think he makes some very cool designs. So what that means is you roll dice on your turn, and then everybody does something based off of those dice, um, like in Machikoro, Space Base, Settlers, Catan, and others. The twist for My Farm Shop is that you roll three dice and on your turn, and you have to choose one of those dice, which will dictate which new card from a market you can take uh, associated with uh, various pips on the die. And then the other two dice are summed together, and then everyone's um, activator or card on that specific spot on their player board will activate. So unlike Space Base, Machikoro, uh, Valeria, all these other games where you roll the dice, and you hope it's good for you and hope it's not good for your opponents, in this game, you have control over that. You roll the three dice and you want to say, well, which card do I want based off of these options? And am I okay with taking that considering it will leave this some pair together, which might be better for my opponents? Or maybe I take a card that I don't really want so that I get the some pair that's better for me. And uh, from what I've heard, there's a flow to the game where early in the game, you care a lot more about what 
uh, modules you're essentially getting to snap into your engine, whereas late game you care much more about what the other two dice are. And I love the idea of that interaction, of actually having a decision to make uh, with this uh, mechanic. I've always liked this mechanic in general. Um, Machi Koro is not my favorite game at all, but I really do like Space Base and Settlers of Catan. So um, adding another die and adding control into all that is uh, uh, enough to have me pre-order the game. Uh, it does say it's a two to four player game in 45 minutes, so I'm not expecting a terribly deep experience. I think it, uh, I saw some people refer to it in the comments as like a super filler. And, and I definitely saw some comments on Board Game Geek of people saying, there's really not much here, there's not a lot added, but I don't know, I think it's possible you might be able to read into this too much and expect too much out of it. So I'm going into it with the expectation of a 30 to 40 minute game uh, where, you know, the resources that you get are all about victory points. You don't actually spend your resources in order to get these new modules. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited to try this one, honestly. I, I Sometimes I like heavy euros and sometimes I like streamlined systems with uh, cool mechanics from designers that I already enjoy their work from. So that is my farm shop. Next up, we have My Father's Work. Now, I have been hearing about this one off and on for years. Uh, the designer is T.C. Petty III, and I follow him on Twitter, and um, he's been designing this thing for a very long time. I'm not sure exactly how long, but it is now uh, signed to Renegade Game Studios, and it's listed as a 2021 release. Now, thematically, this game <laughs> sounds pretty darn neat. Uh, at the moment, there's no images, but... Essentially, you are the, uh, your father was a mad scientist, and they've died, and they've left you just with a um, notebook uh, full of their crazy ideas from their experiments, and then you pick it up, and then you try to do those experiments, and then you die, and then your kid takes it up, and then you die, and then that kid dies, and the next kid takes it up. So it's three generations of children trying to complete their father's work, which is some kind of horror-themed uh, experiments with life and death. I'm not sure if it's a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing going on, but um, I think mechanically that's a super neat idea where, you know, after each generation, most of the knowledge I think is lost because it was just in the head, but then you have this journal and a couple of ideas and you work off from that. Now, I have no idea how mechanically that works. Uh, specifically on BGG, it just says work replacement for mechanisms at the moment, so... No idea <laughs> if it's going to have dice mixed in there, if it's going to have card tableau building or anything like that. But um, the theme is enough to have me quite intrigued to want to give this one a shot. All right, next up we have Oil Town. Uh, this one is being published by PO Games. And I actually learned about this one a couple of months ago because uh, the publisher reached out to me about potentially doing a sponsored tutorial. Um, I'm not sure if that's happening. It's currently a, a maybe, um, probably not. But I was still intrigued enough to want to talk about this game on the list. Um, this is a competitive card-driven dice placement game, and you are effectively doing oil drilling in the Wild West in the mid-1800s. And there is this dice mechanic uh, that you can't really see. There's no images on BGG where you use the dice that are rolled. I forget if it's drafting or whatnot, but you use dice to actually kind of go down underneath the surface of the earth to um, mine out the oil. And the, the, it's essentially a kind of a pattern thing where the, the lines can go over and kind of connect with other lines as you're kind of plumbing the depths, trying to get the oil to then, you know, get victory points from it. Uh, it does say it's, you know, got puzzle as one of the categories. It's got dice rolling and chaining connections. So all of that does sound pretty cool. It's going to be going up on Kickstarter at some point. I forget what date they specifically told me, but um, this game was uh, neat enough for me to put it on here, and I'm hoping I do end up covering it, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen at this point. All right, next up we have 
Pate Imperial, which I'm not <laughs> sure how to pronounce that one well. I'm sorry. Uh, now, there's very little information about this game on BGG. It says it's a game of strategy cards, combinations, and memory to be played individually or in teams of two. It says it's a two- or four-player game. Uh, maybe there's a three-player version, but I, I don't know. Uh, now, <laughs> apparently, this game has suits of cards, and you're trying to get prestige points by getting the notice of the emperor with from a theme perspective. I don't really understand how that works because there's very little detail. There is a photograph of the box cover, which is adorable. It's got a dog in a kind of a costume. So that's enough for me to be somewhat intrigued. But the main reason I'm following this one is because it says that it's um, it plays in teams of two. Uh, I'm finding as time goes on that I'm more and more interested in playing team-based games. I found that I really enjoy team-based games, especially card games. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tichu. Uh, I have no idea if this is a climbing game or anything like that, but um, this is enough for me to be intrigued. It says it's a strategic, dynamic, and aggressive card game. All of those things are great as far as I'm concerned, especially for a 30 to 40 minute game. So uh, I'm subscribed to this one on BGG, hoping to learn more about it, maybe even see some videos to to see how the uh, team-based play does work. Next up, we have Pebble Rock Delivery Service. This one is being published by Skybound Games, and I think it's going to be available very soon. Uh, Now, I actually learned about this one several months ago, but it just recently got put up on BoardGameGeek, and that's because um, I did rulebook... Uh, uh, editing work for this. Uh, the publisher reached out to me, um, uh, not necessarily like grammatical work, but I read through the rule book um, from a blind test perspective and um, found things that didn't make sense. And I gave them feedback and ended up uh, doing a, a, a moderate amount of work, uh, helping them uh, get the rule book into its current state. So hopefully people like it. <laughs> but um, either way, uh, this is a family weight pickup and deliver game. And uh, it's pretty lovely. It's got, it's got great artwork all over the place. And I guess, you know, I am biased. I was paid to do some rulebook work for this, but um, either way, I, I did get to uh, uh, tinker around with it online a decent bit. And in this game, you are uh, moving around these different islands, picking up and delivering uh, various goods. Uh, the art is wonderful, and the, the gameplay is seems pretty streamlined. I haven't actually played it. I've just read the rules several times uh, when it was being developed, but it looks like it's got a bunch of neat little ideas. I enjoy pick up and deliver in general. It's not my favorite mechanic, but it's not one that I've really actually played that many games of, so I feel like it's still a space that mentally I'm intrigued to explore more. Um, and I also just love the uh, aesthetic of this one. It's It's got such a vibrant, uh, wonderful art and pieces and all that kind of stuff. There's, uh, there's uh, spots on the board uh, where <laughs> there are things that can kind of chase you down that you don't want to catch you, and there are also beneficial spots as well. Um, when you roll the dice, you can choose to go fast, which is risky, or slow, which is less risky. And um, all the stuff, I imagine, comes together into a, a nice uh, little picture up and deliver game that's uh, 25 to 45 minutes, so not very long at all. Um, I haven't actually tried it yet, but I like the package overall, and I think the rulebook's pretty good now. All right, next up we have Rise of the Gnomes. Uh, I learned about this one recently because uh, I've agreed to do a sponsored tutorial for this one um, in the next month or two. I can't remember the exact date for it. Uh, Now, in this game, thematically, uh, it's a a world with a whole bunch of gnomes in them, and you're not actually the gnomes. Uh, They they tend to be um, your antagonists, from what I can tell in this game. And uh, the main thing that people are doing in this world is brewing beer. It's a brumancia, uh, or brumanica. And uh, when you play this game, you can play it solo, cooperative, competitive, or even a cutthroat rule set. Um, And I've glanced at all of these. Uh, I'm probably going to be making a tutorial for the competitive version of the game. But you can play cooperatively against a... um, 
uh, a gnomish horde that's essentially coming at you. Uh, I don't know all of the details just yet. I haven't dug into the rulebook a ton, but um, the game was interesting enough for me to say yes to making a video for, so I figured it was uh, interesting enough to uh, mention it in the Games Radar vlog. Um, there's action drafting. Um, there's obviously uh, work placement and, you know, solo opportunities amongst all of the other different ways that you can play this game. And uh, overall, I think it looks pretty cute. But again, I am biased. <laughs> I, I am going to be doing a sponsored video for this game. Uh, the publisher is August Games, and I have worked with them before making a video for, I believe it was called Treasure Mountain. Yeah, Treasure Mountain. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the next game, which um, really caught me by surprise. It's called Settlement, which is a pretty generic name. Uh, I was just going through the list of a whole bunch of new games this morning, and I, I saw this one on the list, and I was like, what generic game is this going to be? And then I started looking at the description, and I was like, whoa, hold on a second. So this one is being published by IG Games, and the designer of this game uh, is one of the designers slash developers of Mysterium like the original Mysterium. Uh, the original version of Mysterium was published um, in Ukraine, and then it was picked up by Portal Games, and then after that it was picked up by uh, Asthma Day. And this is the, the same studio that put out the original Mysterium, which is an excellent game. Now, this doesn't appear to be anything like Mysterium, but just going off of knowing they've made a very good game in the past, that's enough to catch my attention. And then the more I read, the more I liked what I saw. Uh, currently, there's just an image of the box cover. There is no images of what the, um, the actual game looks like, although the box cover is super interesting. It's uh, it's got um, it's like a landscape image, but then there's the face of like a king set in the middle of it with the city being a crown. I love the look of that cover, but uh, mechanically, this is a Euro-style game where you need to effectively manage your settlers and resources, and the goal of the game is to score as many points as possible by the end as you are constructing buildings, exploring terrain, hunting monsters, building outposts, activating regions, activating streets, activating outposts. You're going to be doing things that require resources, and you're spending them on heroes, which will give you various ways to score. I have no idea how all this works, because again, there are no images of what the game actually looks like at the moment, but... I am super in. I want to learn more about this game. I like Euro games. I like Euro games with that kind of theming. I love Mysterium, so I know that these people can make very good-looking games. And the box cover is very compelling, even though the actual name, Settlement, does seem a little bit generic. But who knows? Maybe that's not their final name, or maybe they're just going to go with it because that, that works out well. I, I'm not sure. Either way, uh, this one is suddenly a game that I am very interested in. Uh, this might be the one I'm actually most interested in out of all the games I'm talking about today. Uh, all right, next up we have Solar Sphere. Uh, this one says you have to build a Dyson Sphere to advance humankind into an intergalactic civilization. So this is a wonderful player game, 60 to 90 minutes, that's being published by Dranda Games, and they also published a game called Solar Storm, which I haven't played, but it looked like it was good. <laughs> uh, now, in this uh, on this page, they have an image of the box cover, but they don't have any images of what the game looks like to play just yet. Um, the box cover looks great, though, like a very hard sci-fi thing. You've got a sun being completely completely enveloped by a Dyson Sphere, which looks super cool. But uh, mechanically, uh, this is a dice placement uh, slash manipulation game with elements of engine building, resource management, and set collection, uh, which, you know, I like all those things. That's music to my ears as far as uh, games I want to try. Uh, it's, you know, set hundreds of years in the future, and you're trying to obviously make a Dyson Sphere, which is Seems pretty hard to do, but uh, in this dice uh, placement game, you're going to be manipulating the dice using drones, but you have a limited supply of these drones, and you can upgrade your dice placement spots to fight off aliens who are kind of upset that you are 
Dyson's fearing their suns, which kind of makes sense considering that eats up all the energy of the sun, or at least it uh, uh, constrains all the energy of the sun. Uh, so uh, mechanically, I'm interested. Thematically, I am interested. Uh, there are many mechanisms listed like area majority, dice rolling, uh, hidden victory points, and a semi-cooperative game, which I don't, uh, they don't really go into in the description. So I'm curious to learn more about that one for sure. Um, but either way, I'm very intrigued to learn more about this one. It's got a whole bunch of things that, that seem pretty cool. All right, next up we have Sweetlandia. This says city planners compete to build the sweetest locations in Sweetlandia. Uh, now, the main reason I'm paying attention to this one is because it's being published by Stoneblade Entertainment, and the designer is Ryan Sutherland, who has also done uh, a lot of work for Stoneblade Entertainment. They have a lot of design credits for Ascension. Uh, now, this game appears to be a card game with um, an auction bidding mechanic, so it doesn't appear to be a um, uh, deck building game like uh, Stoneblade Entertainment is most known for, uh, but it says that you're going to use bidding cards to acquire building areas from a delectable collection of locations. You have to choose the right locations to achieve your goals and earn the most donuts from Mayor McSweet. Um, <laughs> obviously, this is uh, a, a very cute theme overall, and they don't have any images of the game, but the, they do have an image of the box cover, which I like. It's an, it's an artistic uh, look that, that works for me. It's not super detailed, but it's kind of cartoony, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, so I don't know if this is a game I'm actually going to be interested in playing, but the uh, publisher pedigree is enough for me to be intrigued. It says it's two to six players in 30 minutes, so it's probably going to be a lighter style game. And in general, I'm not crazy about auctions, but games that have bidding cards I'm usually much more interested in than just straight up auctions in games. So uh, I'm looking forward to there being more information posted about this one so I could see if this is one that I actually want to try and play overall. All right, next up we have Terraforming Mars, the Ares Expedition. Uh, this one uh, <laughs> splashed onto the social media scene uh, a couple of weeks ago when it was announced. Um, it's got a uh, variety of different designers. Uh, one of them is Jacob Frixillis, who is the designer of Terraforming Mars. And it appears this is... <sighs> I'm not sure if it's a streamlined version of Terraforming Mars, but it's it's a shorter version that is just a card game. I think there might be a player board and a couple of tokens, but it's primarily a card game. And it also supposedly is a simultaneous action game. Now, I love Terraforming Mars. It's one of my favorite games. Um, it's an amazing engine building game where you put cards down into your tableau as you're building out uh, and Terraforming Mars. Um, but the biggest issue that I have with Terraforming Mars is it can be long. Even with the Prelude expansion, when you play with the drafting rules, which is the way I, I like to play it, you're usually looking at over two hours, which is fine in general, but the idea of playing a 45 to 60 minute version of Terraforming Mars that plays simultaneously so that analysis paralysis is less of a problem is enough to have me intrigued. If this just ends up being Terraforming Mars light, then maybe I'm less into it. Maybe um, I want the deeper engine building experience, but if they're able to pull that into a shorter playing game that again is fully simultaneous, then that um, would be enough for me to be very intrigued in trying this one. I mean, honestly, just from everything I've uh, know, known about it already, I really want to try this game. Uh, th this is enough. Uh, enjoying Terraforming Mars as much as I do, uh, I want to see how it works. And I'm very confident this would be a game I'd like. I'm just not sure if it's going to be a game that I would love, and um, I won't have a chance to try it for a bit. I don't have any uh, uh, real relationship with Stronghold games at this point, but um, at some point in the future, I, I strongly hope that I'll have a chance to try this one. 
All right, next up we have the Night Cage. Uh, I actually learned about this one not from BGG. I guess I just missed it on the list, but this was on the list of uh, the top 10 most anticipated games on the Before You Play YouTube channel. Uh, I checked out uh, that video and they had a whole bunch of uh, um, very interesting games on there. And this one in particular jumped out to me. So this is a cooperative game where you were all trying to escape from a maze that changes whenever your light vanishes. Uh, there's a whole bunch of images of uh, this one on BoardGameGeek already. And it seems like like you are kind of stuck in this underground horror themed area and you have a candle in your hand and you can only see what's directly adjacent to you. So that means as you move farther down in this tunnel, you actually can't see the things that are now behind you. And once something goes too far away from you, you actually remove the tile. So if you double back and go over there again, a different type of tile will be there. So it's kind of a shifting, crazy maze. And then it's a cooperative experience as everybody's trying to move around to each gather a key. And then you all need to convene, I think, on a specific spot, which is the door. And you all have to be there at the same time, turn your keys and open the door in order to win. Um, now, in general, I enjoy maze games like this. I think part of that is because I played the amazing Labyrinth a bunch when I was a child. So that got very firmly entrenched in my brain. And this has a very similar aesthetic, even though it doesn't appear to play anywhere near the same. Um, that game was competitive. This one is cooperative, though. And Man, I'm intrigued by that. This sounds super cool. In general, I prefer competitive games to cooperative games unless it's got a very compelling reason to be cooperative. And I feel like moving around an ever-shifting maze together trying to meet a collective goal sounds like a very cool puzzle as you're trying to work all of this stuff out. So uh, this one jumped right out at me from the uh, Before You Play video, and then I went on to BoardGameGeek and liked everything that I saw here as well. It says it plays one to five players in 40 to 60 minutes, so it's not crazy long overall. And um, there's um, videos, uh, a whole bunch of forum threads. There's quite a bit of information about this one on BoardGameGeek already. Um, I've looked at a decent bit of it already, and uh, uh, you could definitely check it out as well. So this is one um, that I didn't know anything about until uh, just about a week ago. And now it's pretty high up there on the list of games that I, I really do want to try. All right, the last game I'll be talking about today is Umbra Via. This was just recently announced from Pandasaurus Games. I'm not sure when it's being uh, released, I think relatively soon, but don't quote me on that. Um, but this is a pretty interesting premise for a game. Uh, now, what you're trying to do is just win uh, a certain number of contests, essentially. In the middle of the table, there is a four by four grid. And on that grid, you are placing down these different shaped roads. Uh, and the way it works is every single round, you're gonna pull these tokens out of a bag and then behind a screen, decide where you wanna put your tokens to these four potential roads that could go down onto the area. Uh, once you do that a couple times, those road pieces are then placed out and they cannot be turned. And the player who has the most pieces of their tokens on that specific road gets to decide where it's going to go. Now, as soon as a road is completed, as in all of its ends are done, you actually score the road and the player who has the most of their tokens in that overall road then gets to unlock essentially a super powerful token that they put into their bag. And that powerful token counts as two for the purposes of winning bids, but you never put it down onto the board. So that means as the game goes on, you're, you're gonna potentially be winning more and you put more of these tokens in your bag, which gives you more control and more power for winning um, the placement of deciding where these tiles go down. But because <laughs> you can't actually put those on the tiles themselves, you are less powerful at actually winning the uh, um, the overall contest for where it ends up on the board. And I believe you just keep playing until um, one player has won a certain number of times, essentially pulling those double power tokens, um, all of the double power tokens off of the board. That sounds pretty neat. Uh, in general, I'm not crazy about 
bidding style hidden games like this, but I think this one could be quite puzzling, uh, definitely getting into people's brains. Uh, I, I'm pretty interested in trying this one out. Um, it definitely seems like uh, the puzzle of not being able to spin these roads around would lend itself towards people who you know work very well in spatial uh, uh, settings. And I think in general, I am pretty good at that. And then there's kind of this bag building idea, again, where as you win more and more, you are less effective at at winning more in the future, at least as far as where it counts for uh, winning the overall roads. And I'm sure a big part of this game is winning bids to connect um, a road area that you're weak with with a road area that you're strong with to then combine your forces and then actually be able to take those. And every time a road scores, I believe you remove all of those tiles. So the puzzle in the middle of the table is going to be constantly evolving as well. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty intrigued by this game. It says it's two to four players, 30 to 45 minutes, so not crazy long overall. And uh, this is one that is pretty high up there on the list of games that I would like to uh, give a shot at some point in the future. All right, that has brought me to the end of the 21 new games that have jumped out to me over the last five or so weeks. Uh, I didn't wait three months to make one of these games radar vlogs like I did last year. I think I put out like two of them in the last six months of the year. I'm trying to do these every month or so, and so um, I managed to pull it off for January. We'll see how February goes, and uh, I hope that you enjoyed learning about these games, I hope at least one of these jumped out to you as something that you wanted to learn more about in the future. And uh, if you think I missed something, uh, then please leave a comment. Uh, I, I scan through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of games in order to pick these out. And it's very easy to, to just glance right over something that might actually be worth looking at more um, in that moment. So uh, yeah, definitely let me know if you uh, know of something that I haven't mentioned. All right. I think that's going to bring this podcast to a close. Thanks for listening.